This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's Shake Them Ropes. This time, I think it really is episode 323. My name is Chris Novembrino. I am joined, as always, by Jeff Hawkins. Jeff Hawkins, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Why is doing well a question? <laughs> and I am fine. Uh, it's just, you know, it's one of those no, things where I actually... No, sometimes we just say I did the old, a question. I, I did the old Tom Likas thing. Um Tom Likas, not my favorite radio host, but he, you know how, how people would always call and go, how you doing, Tom? He, he always would go, uh, do you care? And then they could either go, yes, and you go, oh, I'm doing great. Or they go, not really. It's like, okay, good. At least you're honest. <laughs> yeah, it's just a stand-in sort of thing that we usually ask. It's a nice little toss over to let someone into the conversation. We're here today, of course, to talk about... NXT UK and 205 Live and NXT US. This time I did not forget to watch NXT UK, although I had to remember <laughs> and have an aha moment. So I am fully prepared for this show. Jeff, which one of the three would you like to start with? I have a cleanup point. Uh, what I forgot to address on Tuesday's show was the social media of WWE on, I believe it was Tuesday tweeted out a video of Pat McAfee making fun of the crowd in Louisiana for that uh for that raw. And look, I'm turn your speakers down if you're going to watch it cuz he kind of yells into the screen the entire time. You're not going to want that on 10. Yeah. Yeah, Pat McAfee is going to be what he's going to be. He's a former NFL punter who was viewed as very entertaining and very uh, loose with the tongue in terms of his opinions, who got a job with Barstool Sports, who had an interest in wrestling, and NXT signed him. He's been on some NXT TakeOver pre-shows. He's not going to give hardcore analysis, but that's not what they want, so I can forgive that. I mean, the most interesting thing said on a pre-show was that Sam, uh, I forget Sam's last name, right? Sam Roberts' thing about Bianca Belair before the last TakeOver where it's like, is she ready for this big moment? And it generates some sort of controversy. So they don't want controversy on these pre-shows and strong opinions, obviously, even though that's what they say they want. But to me, it's a bad idea. Look, you and I can can criticize crowds. We're, we're just dudes with opinions with podcasts. And even though I don't like criticizing crowds, because I think it's up to, I think it's up to performers to be able to read crowds and adjust accordingly. It's very, uh, it, it, it's very it's on you impor- as the entertainer to work a crowd, no matter what the crowd is. Yeah, but I mean, I've 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 taught improv so long. You'll have improv student shows where, or even you know, high high level groups will come off and go, "Man, that audience sucked out there." It's like, no, it's on you. It's always on you to do the audience. But we can criticize audiences, or or maybe you know you know hint that they weren't that engaged. It's bad PR for a company to come out and say that that the people who paid money to basically watch a TV show 
as opposed to a live wrestling event. Yeah, they didn't do their role correctly, and it gets into that weird feedback loop that WWE has with its audience, rather than using their audience as a barometer to gauge what is working, what is not working, and go with the flow, they have a track that they want to keep this train on, and it is on the audience to perform their dutiful role, and anytime they tune out, it's on them, because what the plot is, is fine. It's totally good, and they should be on board with it. And it's nuts to pay to be a part of that. If they were letting people in for free, like TNA used to, and they would tell them, all right, we're going to cheer this person, we're going to boo this person, and you're not doing that, okay, fine, you should address that with that audience. But these people are paying. It's up yeah, to you it's to not, make them like them. It, it's somewhat ridiculous. It's like if the producers of Roma came out with an ad that said, you know what, you people in Dayton suck because you did not enough of you you know, sold out our performances. Or, you know, any, take any other company. You know, Coca-Cola has decided to blast the town of Oklahoma City because – oh, that was such a bad choice for the city to blast. But uh, never mind. Uh, you know you know what I'm saying here. I'm just going to cut that off before I get into more of a rant. No, if but, a band goes <laughs> so, into a town and the audience starts booing that band and does not like the music that that band is playing and they're paying crowd it's on that band to stop sucking on stage and figure out how to turn things around you know what it's so interesting because the band corollary works here even better because of the conditioning when when, i think these people paid to see big name stars and they got you know because they never come to this small town of lafayette louisiana which isn't that small because it has this arena but you know it's not it's not Philadelphia, it's not Los Angeles, it's not New York. And what they got was this show. It's akin to a band going on tour and not playing the hits. But instead, now we'd like to play some stuff from our new album that's coming out in a month. You know, that nobody's heard on the radio or anything like that. It's like if you went to an Eagles concert and they didn't play Hotel California, but instead they played some experimental nouveau jazz that they were going to put out the next month. You know, and that for, speaks for to the intensity buds. of your fan base and not knowing the intensity of your fan base because mm-hmm. real fans or a band that has a fan base that is keenly interested in what the band is working on would be super excited to hear cuts from the new album. They would be attentive, they'd yeah. be listening. I remember actually when I saw Fugazi when I was 14, and they were just getting ready to release the argument, and when I saw them live, they played stuff that was going to be on that album. I thought that was like the most exciting thing ever. You would want that if you were that type of fan, but WWE doesn't have that type of fan. They have the just the hits, I came here to hear Maroon 5 and I want to hear the classic Maroon 5 songs that I know and cringe love. <laughs> that you know and cringe love. Yeah, I, I, I just I, I think it's bad publicity for a company to criticize its consumers. I, I, I just it, it's I, I think that's but sound WWE logic. It's the one company in the world that gets away that kind of stuff. You want to talk about this weird company's product a little bit? I'll go with a non sequitur real quick, and I didn't have anything to talk about at the top of the show, but I just got a text from my dad. Um, <laughs> my dad went to the hospital for uh, for to get his pacemaker fixed, and they, they rushed him in because it was abnormal. And they've told him, 
they've told him on this new medication he's going to have to take it at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. every night. And my dad just looks at my mom and panics because it's like, my dad will take his medication, but it will never be on a timely schedule. It'll be whenever he gets around to it that day. <laughs> so, so my, my, my dad ends up texting my brother and I and says, got our beds. And then <laughs> about 30 seconds later, oops, thought I was texting your mother. I'm like, my dad does not have long to live on this planet after that. <laughs> Well, you have to get us out of here with that non sequitur. Let's start with 205 Live. A, little, a few changes to the cruiserweight division have happened. Uh, TJ Perkins, no longer employed with WWE, the first cruiserweight champion, the winner of the cruiserweight classic. Uh, not the biggest surprise to people who have followed TJ Perkins' career that he may have had some uh, attitude problems. And there was certainly reason to suspect that people might not have been happy with his performance on the last episode. We discussed some of those points. It now makes me think that him coming out and playing babyface was a little bit of freelancing. With all the new ink? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Uh, and Buddy Murphy is said, uh... I believe this is kayfabe, but he's going away for a few weeks to a trip to Australia. I think this is just the, and he won't be on TV. So I, I just think this is, the champ is going to go away for a while, and when he comes back, he'll be a big deal. But we've started this tournament. Uh, we had a Tony Nice versus Kalisto match. I dug it quite a bit. I was about halfway through, I'm thinking, Kalisto's winning this, which seemed seemed gobsmacking to me but um what, what did you think of uh tony niece here because it's you're you're the bigger niece fan than i am i think i am the bigger niece fan i think i think i don't know i i don't love him love him but i think that he has the most potential in terms of long-term story on this brand right now especially with this relationship with buddy murphy i thought tony niece looked good here in this match i i thought that this was a very strong outing for him and they had Buddy Murphy watching in the back afterwards. I, I liked Buddy Murphy's weird kind of faking it reaction, faking enthusiasm. Like, he's really happy for Tony, but he's not really happy for Tony. He's a little alarmed that Tony did pretty well here in this match. I Man, I didn't think he was faking it. I, I thought he was trying to really root it on and maybe it just came off as acting. But, um, no, I, I think you're probably right. I, I I wouldn't be shocked if they did the... You know, I don't, I see, I can't see them giving Nice the match at Mania. I just can't. But maybe they are. Drew Gulak and Brian Kendrick had a nice little scrap. I liked the meanness involved in the match. I liked the story they told. I liked that they were hyping that it was Brian Kendrick's dream to finally have a match at WrestleMania because all this time on the roster, he had never had one. Man, I liked this match. It was very disappointing that this lost the crowd. I was thinking that this was a really nice dichotomy. You have Nice and Kalisto having an up-tempo and kind of high-flying cruiserweight match, and then you have Kendrick and Gulak having this mat wrestling-based match, and I enjoyed it. The crowd, unfortunately, did not so much. This, this was, I think this it's... Was, this gets back to conditioning, though, right? Yeah. This gets back to the whole issue with Lafayette. It's about educating the audience to know what to look for, to know what to be excited for, so that they show up more educated and they find more things exciting. Well, yeah, but also... See, back in the day, back when I was a child watching wrestling, they were putting this over as real athletes who had real athletic backgrounds and real wrestling backgrounds, and they do these kind of 
ground-based, mat-based, technical matches where guys were just grinding on people to get that over, that these guys were tough guys. And this is a crowd that's conditioned for sports entertainment. You know, give us the big moves, give us the finisher, give us the theme music, etc. They want the five moves of doom, they want the high spots, Uh they want tables, and all of those sorts of things. But you've got to educate them, and that's commentary's job, and that's a pacing job, and and you just got to lay the groundwork. Otherwise, when you try to do matches like this, you're going to have this kind of reaction. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see how they react to Oni Lorcan, because... Main roster Oni doesn't Lorcan know who works Oni fast. Is. I think he'll yeah. be okay. He can come in there. But he can hit those high tempo uppercuts. He can do that tope to the outside. I think he'll be all right. Yeah, I, I I think he's the kind of guy who can read a crowd, but nobody knows him. That's my fear. Is that nobody knows who this guy is? He looks a little plain, you know, in just the the black tights. But he has a nice, vicious style, so I think that might help him. So, so we'll see Catchy theme song, too, right? People like the theme song. And, and I think that the tag team with Birch gets enough play on NXT that, with all the other things that we discussed, he should probably be all right. But he'll be an interesting test case. In angle building, it was uh, Jack Gallagher and, trying to mentor Umberto Carrillo a bit was fine and then uh i was really surprised based on that little opening segment with gallagher and carrillo that the match with gulak and kendrick went the way that it did i was actually expecting kendrick to win the match and sort of it would illustrate that drew gulak's map based offense wasn't all that but then gulak won and so that made me think maybe at the end of this umberto carrillo really does end up heel yeah, at least for a short time, and then he, you know, eventually they pull the same turn right, on him, Kendrick right? Yeah, they pull the chair. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And then uh, Mike uh, Mike Kanellis is going to have a match next week after begging for another one. I, I I thought the logic in this was sound. Hey, you you took Cedric Alexander, the heart and soul of Two Hundred Five Live, to the limit. You deserve a match next week. Still think he's going to lose, but uh, it was at least logical. Maybe not, because we don't know who the match is going to be against. <laughs> it's very, very true. Don't, don't, don't make me scared like that anymore. Uh, let's go to NXT UK. Okay, all right. A little curveball there. I was not expecting that, but this was a good episode oh, of NXT UK. It was very good, and I think, you know what? NXT UK is getting very, very interesting. There were some signings this week. Ilya Dragunov, Kaylee Ray, uh, Jazzy Gabbard, who was in the first May Young Classic and got I like over Jazzy and, Gabbard, and had, the and alpha had female. A neck injury. Yeah, uh, Oliver Carter, and Chris. Specific to our fandom, the primate Jay Melrose has been signed by NXT UK. Yes, the tag team partner of Wild Boar Mike Hitchman, heretofore known as the Hunt which is an awesome tag team name, I think. Let's get they the belt are, on these guys. Let's do it. Come they, on. I, I, They are my New Zealand militia. They are that kind of team. I love these kinds of teams. The mid-card heel tag team with a lot of character to them. I am so down with this. I'm super excited. I think they're going to have a bunch of really good matches. I like the Primate a lot. Yeah, Il- Ilya Dragunov's an interesting one, uh, uh, mostly because he's also in that uh, ring comp style, so so we'll see. But but it seems like they're the WWE's 
focus is on, okay, where can American indies draw talent from? We're going to go to that pool and draw them instead, because a lot of these guys were getting booked by, you know, your PWGs and, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Also, Piper Niven is going to be debuting soon, uh, a.k.a. Viper on the indie. She was also in the first Mae Young Classic. Uh, got over fairly well, and then I think she also got injured. So, you know what? The more NXT UK restocks, the better it is. And it looks like we're doing a lot of talent exchanging in here because this was uh, the last, I believe, of the episodes taped in Phoenix. But, man, this is a hard-hitting episode for, again, a crowd that was probably waiting for that first cup of coffee to hit. Yes. Yes, they were trying to get into it. I think, you know, a little bit of lack of familiarity with some of these people, too. Walter is someone that I think might have been a first-time-seeing-him-live experience for, I would say, a majority of the crowd. But that said, what a great series of matches here. I enjoyed Tyler Bate and Gentleman Jack Gallagher a lot here. And you get a lot of map-based stuff. And then Walter and Cassius Ono come in, and it's just a brawl for eight minutes. (laughs) Hose me. Big men doing bad things to one another. Yes, this wasn't this. Look, this wasn't the uh, the match that you were going to get in a progress or a. Uh, no, a I said it was going to be fairly short, but yeah. it was aggressive and hard hitting. And I like this genre of match that is meant to be under ten minutes and is just sort of a sprint the entire way. And, and even meant- if it's like a 70-30 type of sprint, it's still hard-hitting and stiff. Yeah, it was meant to get Walter over as a badass. I thought it did. Uh, that's the best Jack Gallagher match he's had in a long time on television, I thought, other than maybe the uh, World's Collide tournament. But I, I man, I'd, I'd really like to see Jack taken off a of 205 and come over to NXT UK, to be honest with you. We also had the Grizzled Young Veterans beating Oni Lurkin and Danny Birch. Fun match, I thought. Fun, you know. I I don't love the grizzled young veterans, but they are a totally serviceable, this sounds really bad, but like placeholder champion tag team where they can have the belts for a long time. They're not in any danger of accidentally getting over. They're just kind of patently unlikable, and they're steady. They're good hands. They're a good heel tag team in a burgeoning division that needs a that needs a villain. And that's what they're here to do, and they beat a gatekeeper babyface team. I, I love Lorkin and Birch. I think they make everybody look good. And I thought the Grizzled Young Veterans had a very, very nice match against them. I'm yeah, I for for the They're like gatekeeper veterans, champions. That's what the Grizzled Young Veterans are. It's as though Lorkin and Birch are heels and they're champions. I think, the pro- I think the problem you might have, and, and let me let me posit this to you, is that Zach Gibson has been pushed as a title contender, and James Drake is kind of along for the ride. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it definitely feels like that. James Drake, okay. and he's not supposed to feel like the sidekick. And no. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that that is sort of the dissonance I feel. But I think they definitely have some chemistry. Um, I agree. I definitely agree with that. That 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 in terms of their charisma, that's very, very cool. In terms of look, <laughs> Gibson's gonna have that crowd taking their shoes off 
and you know yelling at him the whole time. I mean, that's and the other thing, that- right? Like the crowd uniquely hates Zach Gibson back in the UK, and while yeah. they'll boo James Drake, they don't have specific chance of hatred towards James Drake. Give it time, because I've been to indie shows where where James Drake has has eventually become very very hateable. So I'm I'm yeah, but. Uh, very good match. Very good episode of NXT UK. Uh, highly recommend it. And in terms of angle building, we saw a bit of a build for Jordan Devlin and Travis Banks for a Falls Count Anywhere match. I'm cool with that. Eddie Dennis had another promo. Uh, he, he's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People have been wondering what happened to Eddie Dennis. Well, not really. I, be honest I, with you, I watch a lot of this <laughs> stuff every week, and I I kind of forgot. Yeah, I mean it's odd because Dave Mastiff hasn't been on since uh, since that first set of episodes taped right after Takeover, so it'll be nice to get him back in the mix as well. But that is a problem, right? If you're going to give him the win at that Takeover, you need to capitalize mm-hmm. on it, and instead yeah. he just kind of gotten forgot about. Well, and also he wasn't brought over for the Phoenix tapings, so I mean that that really that really put crux in it. I've I've read the spoilers. I don't want to give away too much for it but um it looks like things get back on track a little bit more once they get back to the uk so that brings us over to nxt us we thought that vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah and tainara conti might be on the chopping block potentially you thought that that skit was the type of skit that happens if you get cut that the skit of course being where Shayna baszler marina shafir and jessamine duke demolished all three of these people, but instead they're now in a tag team. Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah are a new heel type tag team, a little fashiony, glamoury type tag team. And Tynera Conti, now officially a babyface, is teamed with Zia Lee, who is still very rough. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> all four of these uh, women had it a bit rough during this match, but I, I will say one thing. In terms of Aaliyah, she looks like she was having the time of her life dancing to Vanessa Bourne's music, whereas in previous incarnations and watching her, it looked like it was always kind of a chore to come down to the ring, but it may have also had something to do with, hey, she gets to win a match for once, Uh, so she could actually, you know, put some emotion in it, you know, you don't get the boo-boo face or whatever, but yeah, Xylee, once again, as we said last week, Less choreography, more ass kicking, please. That's that's what I want out of her. The kicks look good. When she does the kicks, yeah. they look good. It, it's just the other stuff. They try to overthink things with her. Keep keep the descriptions of what she needs to do simple, and the simpler the better with her. Uh, it could stop totally doing, work. Stop doing the yeah. Stop doing the somersaults and oh, you'll climb over the shoulders and do a backflip, senton, blah, blah, and hit a punch here. No, just have her be an ass kicker. That's all she needs to be. So after that, we have Donovan Dijakovic or Dijakovic versus Keith Lee. And this will continue on because it was a double countout, but this was a lot of fun. I liked this match. This match two years ago was the hottest thing on the U.S. Indies around. I, I saw this match at, I believe, the WWN Super Show in Orlando. Uh, they had a barn burner in PWG, uh, during BOLA that year. These guys work very, very well together. I was fine with the, 
double count out. I, I actually think they should make more use of that when you're getting two guys that you're trying to build as opposed to doing a 50-50, you know, type of he wins and he wins and he wins and he wins. The nice part about the double count out is that they have had these squash or squash type matches with both Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic. So there is this intrigue in really seeing these two guys go to a count out. It's like, oh, these two trains have finally clashed and neither one got knocked off the tracks fully. So you want to see them pull back and clash at each other one more time. But at the tail end of yeah. this, we turned Dijakovic heel. I thought that was effective as well. I, you know what? He's a natural heel up there with Keith Lee. I, we yeah, talked about I, this I know too. That... Well, we talked about this with the music, right? There's so many things about the Feast Your Eyes Dijakovic character that screams heel. Yeah, and he's fine being a heel. I, I, I'm good with that. I, I, I don't think they're going to get on the TakeOver card, but uh, if they can prolong this feud for a while and keep going and keep going and keep going until they get to that big match... They might end up um, on then, the pre-show, though. I think they may get the week after takeover on the takeover okay. pre-show treatment, which would, could be good because those crowds are hot and they will enjoy that match. Oh, dude, if they do a match like they did at PWG or if if they, if they did Evolve, they they may <laughs> they may suck the energy out of the room before takeover starts. They are fantastic, and we you know we've seen hints of it with Dijakovic. I want to call him Dijak. So bad again. I, and There's that actually screws name. up my way of saying Dijakovic because I always go Dijakovic and because it's Dijak and, and the yeah. jaw, it throws me off, man. But I mean, his agility and, and, and you know, the, the moves off the top ropes and, and you know, this this is a, this could be a prolonged feud if they wanted it to be. And, uh, you know, the more prolonged feuds they have in NXT, the more interest I think they will gain as a, as a promotion because... They should do a non-finish at the takeover if they have it at the takeover. Yeah, I, I'd keep okay. doing this to non-finishes for a minute. Yeah, I think you can keep – I mean, eventually you actually have to build to a finish, but you can do a couple of non-finishes with these two because of the story you've been telling for the last few months. Yeah, I, I, I just think with the, with the uh, turnover that's going to be coming after Mania probably and also you know, with the call-ups they've already had, they could use a nice, solid – well-built program here between two guys who can go, and I think Lee and Dijakovic are the guys to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. They're eventually going to be title contenders in the next 12 months here, for certain. They may be doing the the Birch-Lorkin build here where they just beat each other up and become a team. Sasha and Bailey came out next and announced that the women's tag team championships may very well be defended on NXT. If so, who would they be defended against? Would it be Tynera Kanchi and Zia Lee, or would it be Aaliyah and Vanessa Bourne, Jeff? Sky Pirates, all day. That's what I want. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> I can see them. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? G- give, give, the, give the kids some shine. Come down here, face Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah. <laughs> see what you can get out of them i i hope not but, that would be uh, the best way to kick the tires on them because if they can't have a good match against sasha and bailey i would posit to you that maybe their time would be better spent elsewhere yeah i mean i, I could see them also you know jessamine duke and marina shafir 
uh, down there, but that's part of a natural horsewomen program that I don't think we're going to ever get. But, you know, I mean... <laughs> Heck, I wouldn't. You know what? I actually would not mind that. You say that, but that could actually be like the first little clashing of the horsewomen. Okay, I I just don't think it's on the table. I think I think Ronda's gone sooner than later, and we we kind of get denied that opportunity. But you know, wait, are you saying that Ronda might not be loving every minute of every second with every employee in this company? No, no, Chris, I would never say that just because she seems to take things very personally on Twitter, uh, even though they're trying to work people into interest in their match. No. I... <laughs> uh, you know what? It would not be the worst thing in the world to have Xia and Tainara Kate versus Bailey and Sasha. I just said that out loud and I don't believe it, but I'm going to try and work myself into believing it. <laughs> yeah, it could be interesting. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Um so after that we had Shayna Baszler versus Mia Yim in a non title match. What did you think about this? Um I I liked it overall. I, I think it was one of Mia Yim's best showings since being signed. Uh I I was a little shocked at uh there was something missing at the end for me. I, I just it, I felt like I felt like it was too much of a good dismissal of Mia Yim as a threat for some reason. I didn't like how quickly we got to this match. Like we kind of teased this a week prior with Shayna Baszler shoving the belt in Mia Yim's face. This felt oddly rushed. I was surprised that there was no promos going into this, and I felt like maybe some promos would have been necessary going into this or would have been useful, at least for Mia Yim. Even if Shayna Baszler doesn't have one, Mia Yim should be saying something about how tonight Shayna Baszler will be made to take me seriously. She won't just think that I'm some sort of joke, blah, 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 anything like that. I, I There was something weird about the end of this match as well. I, I'm with you on that. The wrist work was good, though. I, I liked the idea of Mia Yim using the wrist. It made her seem strategic and cerebral. What this felt like was that Mia Yim is the sacrificial locker room person for the real savior of the locker room. That That's what it felt like to me, and that's why they didn't give her the promos, and that's why they didn't really build it up, is because she's not going to be the person defending the locker room. It's going to be whoever comes in to to who is that gonna be then i you know well it's weird because now that they have eo shirai and and bianca belair arguing right that's what i'm saying the sky pirates and bianca seem tied up and they don't seem like great candidates to be the locker room savior here so if not mia yim who don't know I really don't have any thoughts on that because it's like, okay, they've put most of the other people on TV. They don't have a lot of... Could be Casey Catanzaro. Or we could be telling a longer-form story with Mia Yim. Mia Yim might want a rematch at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out because Yim seems like the best candidate to be the stopper of the bully. Yeah. I I, I agree, but they're saving Shayna for you know, the Sky Pirates and, and Bianca Belair. So this gives her something to do. And and basically, you know what it is? I think we're misreading this. I think this is supposed to be that Shayna is the best in the locker room and she's beating down any contenders to the throne while the other contenders fight each other. 
And it's just to build her up as the, the, the real bad threat, which we all know she is. And then meanwhile, all the quote unquote heroes are fighting each other while she's going through and systematically destroying the rest of the locker room. Interesting. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to figure out what the end game is. I, I in my head, don't see Io Shirai winning the title. I feel like the Sky Pirates are going to get called up at some point. Yeah, but, um, I mean, they they may call people up just to call them up, but they usually try and have something first, and since they've already called up about, you know, eight other people, I don't think they're going to get called up sooner than later. I think, I think they may still be in NXT this time next year. Interesting. Okay, so maybe then Io Shirai is going to win the title, and then these are all... Matches to keep Shayna Baszler hot going into her dropping the title yeah. at the next takeover. That's that's what okay. I'm thinking. It, it's 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 just to build her up. It's to isolate her and build her up while you have this other story going on with the uh, Sky Pirates and Bianca. Is there anything else on this episode that you want to hit? No, but I do want to plug that we will be taping a Patreon episode this weekend, hopefully. It will be Jeff's first ever wrestling videotape. The one that he rented a lot as a kid. From the Great American Bash 1985, um, <laughs> I've, I've, I've since given Chris access to a copy of it, and we'll be doing a uh, live watch of that. You can get that at patreon.com slash shakethemropes. At uh, some point, I might make you watch some WCW Saturday Night from 1992, because that was kind of my jam Oh, back I'm down with that. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, I was watching uh, one was last my... night and it was like Rick Rude and Vader and Steve Austin. It mm-hmm. was awesome. Cactus Jack was getting ready for a title match. Rod Simmons had just become the champion. He was cutting inspirational promos to audiences with canned audience applause, like like to crowds, but like there wasn't actually a crowd, like he was giving big inspiration. There there are some speeches. holes in my ninety two viewing because Yeah, there are some holes in my ninety two viewing because uh, that was my first year in college, so you know, I didn't have a TV in my dorm room, but there was a, like a, a, a community TV. But of course, you don't want to be the guy watching wrestling when everybody else wants to come in and watch something else. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I'm I'm down with that. I, I loved '92 WCW was fantastic. Yes. Well, okay. A lot of it is Cowboy Bill There's Watts. There's a lot of bad insti- stuff. There's no, a lot Cowboy of bad Bill stuff, Watts but- instituting the no jumping off of the top rope rule is really, really stupid to watch all of these high flyers jumping off of the second turnbuckle. But a lot of the people who work on these shows are just a lot of fun. And so we might go through and watch a little bit of that. Yeah, you had a lot of top level talent, but you also had PN News. So. <laughs> uh, well, and, and all of the great like job guys like the italian stallion and just random random goobery dudes who as you've described them look like rejects of carbon copies of wrestlers <laughs> uh, you can follow me at crap game 13 you can follow chris at chris novembrino you can just follow the show at shake them ropes if you so choose chris tell the other people Tell the other people. Tell the people what your other. See, at least I didn't tell do the people HTTP. about the other podcasts. HTTP yes. colon slash slash. <laughs> yeah, so it's HTTP colon oh, slash God. slash. Don't worry. Dot TV. Please go there. 
please don't worry about the government. You can go on iTunes and Stitcher and add it to your podcast feed, and you'll be the coolest kid in your school, <laughs> in your town, in your office, wherever you are. You will become infinitely cooler by subscribing to Don't Worry About the Government. My other other show, if you want infinitely more coolness, go and subscribe to the All in the Family podcast, which you can find at allinthefamilypodcast.com. That's all for Shake Them Ropes. Jeff, do you want to give out a web address now? <laughs> no, no, I do not. Good night. <laughs>